0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, where we bring you the news before it becomes news on this podcast, as well as insight and analysis into what subjects you're talking about in football. I'm Ian McGuire and with me, as always, is the guru, Mr Duncan Castles. Before we begin today, we'd like to encourage you, please, to vote for the transfer window in the British Podcast Awards. Just search British Podcast Awards on your search provider or go to the website com. Vote. Lots to get through today, Duncan. Uh, We've got Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham, Chelsea, uh, Borussia Dortmund, of course, who seem to be at the centre of the transfer universe right now. But we started the Etihad, where Bernardo Silva has told Pep Guardiola he wants to leave Manchester. He's failed to settle, even though he's been there for a couple of years now. Uh, Duncan exclusively revealed this uh, story way before any other media outlet. And it seems that Silva could become the catalyst, Duncan, in a quite a big movement of players in and out of Guardiola's squad. Um, as I said, you broke the story. What's the update and the progress of where we're at right now?
0: Yeah, last week I um, told you that Atletico Madrid had made an offer for Bernardo um, and they were offering a what we call a a financial fair play swap in which Bernardo would have a high value placed on him and Sal Niguez would have a high value placed on him and both clubs would come up with um, better balance sheets at the end of it but effectively effectively a straight swap deal the kind of thing Juventus and Barcelona did with Artur Melo and Miriam Pjanic last summer and I think we're going to see a lot of this kind of trading in the current market because there's not much liquidity. There's not much cash. There's a lot of clubs who want to make changes. Uh, They want to satisfy their fans by bringing big name players in and new players in. They want to get players that they're not happy with out of their squads. Um, They want to change things around for either existing coaches or, or new coaches coming in. And the way they are planning to do it is through these creative kind of deals which is making the market a lot more complicated um, because it's always harder to get two players in line for a deal than it is just to do one. Um, but in the case of Bernardo, there, there is an additional element of leverage on the player side, which is that he asked to leave Manchester City last summer, um, was given the go-ahead assuming a, an appropriate offer came in, Um, Barcelona were interested in signing him that summer the deal didn't happen he had a conversation with Pep Guardiola um, during that period I'm told in which Guardiola assured them, if you give me another season I will allow you to leave um, this coming summer i.e. 2021 window Um, Bernardo's not unhappy with Manchester City as a team even though his playing time declined Last season, Um, he was in just 24 of 38 Premier League starting lineups when he'd been effectively and ever-present for his first three campaigns at at City for obvious reasons because he is almost the perfect Guardiola player in in terms of his flexibility and the type, the way in which he plays, his ability to press, also to create and type spaces. Um, But he has basically had enough of English football, um, doesn't enjoy living in Manchester as a climate, as a, and I think also to a degree um, has had his time in in Manchester and explored the city and wants somewhere else to live and another league to play in. Um, But he has that promise from Guardiola and um, his representatives are using that to try and secure him an exit. Barcelona are interested again and have made Uh, an informal proposal to the player Um, they now have to try and get a transaction that works for Manchester City um, that satisfies City's valuation of Bernardo and they feel that he has increased in value on the initial 50 million euros and there there were substantial performance-related bonuses involved in in the deal that brought him from Monaco four years ago. So they value him highly. And in their ideal world, they would get a large cash offer from Barcelona or Atletico Madrid, which they could take the money from that transaction and put it into their pursuit of Jack Grealish and a, uh, a new centre forward. And we told you in the podcast, they've already made an offer for Harry Kane, who wants to leave Tottenham, being public about that, and would like to come to Manchester City and had that offer rejected by Tottenham. So they need cash in an ideal world to do these deals and would like to get it from Barcelona or Atletico. Problem is Atletico and Barcelona don't have cash to play with. Both clubs are trying to move players out, Barcelona in particular are offering a huge array of their players um, in these kind of um, FFP swap deals or for sale if clubs want to buy them. Um, inc- included in the players that are being offered to City are Sergio Roberto, Ousmane Dembele, who has just one year left on contract at uh, Barcelona and is threatening to run it down to zero and leave for nothing next season. Jordi Alba, Philippe Coutinho, Cloman uh, Trin Trincaun is a potential um, candidate in this deal. Sergio Busquets, Gerard Piquet uh, are among the players that are being offered in the hope that Guardiola will say, I will take one or more of them, um, get them off Barcelona's wage bill and allow them to secure Bernardo at um, a, a, a price that involves less cash going in the other direction. I think of those, Sergio Roberto is one to pay particular attention to because he would have gone to Manchester City last summer um, in a deal that had been agreed, um, a swap, again, an FFP type swap deal where Jean Cancelo was going to go to Barcelona. Sergio Roberto is going to come in the other direction. He is player that Guardiola likes a lot because of his flexibility and, uh, and his style and, and technical abilities. He's has one year left of contract at Barcelona, so Barcelona do need to, to resolve his situation one way or another. And I'm told the agent of Roberto is already in talks with City about a deal this summer. Um, we can add to this that Cancelo again is in play and is dissatisfied with the amount of playing time he got, particularly at the tail end of of last season, and would be open to moving um, to Spain and particularly to Barcelona if a deal can be set up. So a lot of of factors in play in this, Um, but talking to people involved in the process, they think an agreement can be achieved at some point through the window and that... um, Manchester City can be convinced to reduce their the cash element they're requesting for these transfers and do a deal that involves players coming from Barcelona or potentially Atletico Madrid, but more likely Barcelona um, because Guardiola values the, the the way that players have learned to operate at Barcelona possibly we could be looking at someone, a younger player in the Barcelona squad, someone even who's still in the the academy at Barcelona that Guardiola has identified as a future talent and instructs Chiqui Stan to try and involve in this deal. Speaking to
1: an agent um, in the last few days, Duncan, we spoke about Manchester City and this particular agent has worked um, with Pep through the years. And uh, he said to me, uh, we were talking about Sergio Aguero leaving and who might replace him, etc. He said that after winning the title two years ago, so not this year, the year before Liverpool won it, he said he felt he'd made a mistake by not strengthening enough to defend the title, hence Liverpool won by quite some margin the following season. And he was determined not to repeat that mistake because the Premier League was a much different animal to uh, La Liga and the Bundesliga, where obviously he's won the title previously. Uh, You do have to evolve quickly. But... um, you have to say it's it's a hell of a rebuilding project when you think about losing Aguero, and Bernardo Silva, possibly Cancelo as well, in one season, and of course they lost David Silva last summer.
0: It, well, it's voluntary in the case of Sergio Aguero. That was something that um, Guardiola approved, not not renewing the contract when City and last summer had been talking about giving Aguero an extension. Aguero um, I don't think was particularly happy with the way things ended at City so that, that was Guardiola's choice not to retain Aguero there's another choice or exploration going on in that Raheem Sterling has been placed on the market um, he has I understand been offered to Barcelona and Barcelona have said they don't want to, to take him um, and my understanding is that because of a fallout with Guardiola Um, during the season where Sterling confronted Guardiola over over being left out of a 5-2 victory over Southampton in March Um, and Guardiola didn't take it very well. He basically left them uh, completely out of the squad for the next game, benched them for several other matches um, and uh, it didn't get back into the starting lineup for, I think, four of their Champions League, Premier League games. He did allow him to have the captaincy later in the season, but uh, Sterling's importance to Guardiola's team has declined. He is very well paid. Um, he has kind of been agitating for a move away, not in an aggressive fashion, but he's done that classic um, going. going be interviewed by the Spanish papers and talk about how you'd be interested in playing in La Liga and um, uh, generate some interest and and offers from abroad but City would be prepared to let him go if the money is right and again reinvest it in other areas of the team and, and do that kind of refresh that um that you're talking about with Bernardo obviously it's being driven by Bernardo you've got another player in there Riyad Mahrez who has 2 years left of contract so City have to make a a decision over and Mahrez's agent is actively um advertising Mahrez and trying to get a a, a transfer proposition for him that that City will agree on so part of it's Guardiola-driven, part of it's city strategy-driven and part of it's being driven by players who are looking for other places to play or, um, or longer-term packages.
1: Speaking of Riyad Mahrez, Duncan, very interesting photographs appearing on the international uh, press uh, just this morning, uh, Tuesday, of Riyad Maras aboard a yacht off the course of Mykonos, the Greek island, who else is on that particular yacht? Hmm, Erling Haaland. It's like a who's who of football royalty when you take a look at it. There's little squat Mino Raiola. I'm not sure that he'll be needing a life belt, along with a group of bikini-clad ladies and also Mino's assistants there. Erling Haaland, however, is the subject of, obviously, attention uh, as probably the most informed striker uh, it currently in Europe, certainly. Um Chelsea's pursuit of the player uh, we have reported on several occasions and it is our understanding that before Haaland boarded that yacht the details of his personal terms with Chelsea were signed off and it's now merely a case of Chelsea agreeing a fee with Borussia Dortmund. Now, of course, Dortmund are between a rock and a hard place on this one uh, because they agreed uh, with in their original negotiation with Raiola and Haaland's father Alvinga, uh, that there would be a release clause for the player activated at the end of uh, his second season at the Bundesliga club, so they can keep him for another year uh, and get another probably thirty-eight goals and thirty-nine games out of him, or they can sell him this summer uh, for in excess of a hundred million euros. It looks it, it would probably come to. Uh, that's plus add-ons, of course, and of course you've got. Um, Commission to Raúl and his father of around €40 million, euros, and you've got the player's pre-tax salary as well. It comes to one monster deal, uh, Duncan, with regards to the player himself. But just for everyone's information, because this is very unusual, um, uh, we were told that two days after the Champions League final win, Roman Ramich sat down with Thomas Tuchel and several other members of the Chelsea hierarchy, So that Tuchel could present to them how he uh, would go about playing uh, next season in order to win the Premier League title back uh, and the personnel he would require to do so. Haaland would play as a point striker with a mixture of, obviously because they have so many attacking midfielders, Uh, Werner returning to his more familiar position at left side of attacking mid, Mason Mount at 10, Kai Havert stroke Christian Pulisic stroke Hakim Ziyech all fighting for places across those three um, and then Jorginho and N'Golo Conte in the double pivot. We understand that uh, Ateo Kovacic is currently being marketed by a very famous agent to several clubs both in Serie A and in La Liga and uh, the defence is also up for reconstruction. So. Basically, Duncan City are not the only Premier League club um, who are looking to do a rebuild on the back of success. You've got the Premier League champions and the champions of Europe, both thinking, "Okay, that was nice, time to move on. Uh, Let's basically completely restructure, or not restructure, but refurbish the team and try and make disposal of players as well.
0: Yeah, I I think the interesting thing with this, this move by Chelsea for Haaland, who is wanted by Ole or Solskjaer at Manchester United, but um, the sense is that the Glazers have deemed that deal too expensive and therefore are working hard to get the Jaden Sancho deal done. We told you in the last podcast that the strategy at Manchester United is a star forward, whether he be right-sided specialist or centre forward. Um, also wanted or... Yeah, I think wanted is the right word. Wanted by Manchester City, but Manchester City not entirely convinced that he is the ideal signing to replace Sergio Aguero. He's been high on their list throughout. And I think the sense with with Manchester City has, has been, we need to be involved. We need to explore the dimensions of this deal. We need to look at the cost and and be ready if we take a decision that he is... The forward to to build a, a new um, a new team around and the team that finally brings the Champions League title to Abu Dhabi after all the things they've done to try and secure it, yet remain um completely unsuccessful in, in achieving that that goal. Interest from Madrid, but not first choice at, at Real Madrid. What Chelsea I think have done, which is very similar to what they did last summer, is they've Seen a player who's available on the market, Dortmund, have this issue of the release clause next summer or sell them this summer and, and are floating a price of 180 million euros on top of that massive uh, personal terms package and, and agents package that it would take um, to do this summer. But Haaland is going to move either this summer or next summer. Chelsea have rapidly come to the conclusion we want this player and we will go all out. To try and sign them now and beat our rivals, which is very familiar in terms of what they did last summer, albeit last summer they had the, the a year of no spending um, because of their transfer window ban and accumulated cash that they were able to put into the market. But they went in, did the Timo Werner deal from RB Leipzig, one that uh, Jurgen Klopp wanted Liverpool to do. Chelsea went in early, they paid the release clause, and they gave. this this substantial financial package that Werner wanted to move to England. And they convinced the player, who Klopp had done a huge amount of work on on trying to persuade to come to Liverpool, to come to Chelsea instead. Similar story to Kai Havertz. It took longer to resolve. But again, Chelsea said, OK, if this is what it takes in terms of wages, substantial, and, and a transfer fee, extremely substantial, to get this player a lot of our rivals are looking at, but haven't made a final decision to buy. We will do it. And, and they ended up getting two of their top targets ahead of everyone else. You, you can argue about whether that has proved itself to be effective or not. Um, Marina Granovskaya's argument will be once she managed to change the coach, who wasn't um, convinced that either of those transfers were the best um, use of transfer resources last summer. It worked and they won the Champions League. I think if you look at performances, there's a different story and neither of those players had a consistent season. Um, Again, you can take a third path, which is, okay, it's their first season in the Premier League. We often see adaptation problems for young players moving into the Premier League, particularly in high prices, and perhaps they will turn into top consistent performers for Chelsea um, in the, the coming season and going forward. But what you can definitively say is that Chelsea devised a strategy to get those two players, beat their rivals to them and secured them. And it looks like that's what they're trying to do again with Haaland. Who, you know, if you listen to Mino Raiola, Raiola has been marketing him as a player that you only get one chance to secure. And uh, uh, the words have come out of his mouth. Can Real Madrid afford not to sign him? Can Barcelona afford not to sign him? Barcelona, of course, uh, their new president Laporta very keen to bring Haaland to um, Catalonia. Um, so it, this fits the, the the pattern of of recruitment that Granovsky has applied at at, uh, at Chelsea in recent years, and uh, and it'll be fascinating to see if they can get the deal over the line in terms of putting a figure to Dortmund that Dortmund will accept, and. Yeah, it is more complicated because Dortmund have that gentleman's agreement with Jaden Sancho that he will be allowed to leave this summer. And um, Manchester United making offers, not reaching their asking price yet. But the general feeling around that deal is that uh, it will get done this summer, which is going to bring in a lot of cash to to Dortmund anyway.
1: Well, it should not go unnoticed that Roman Bramwich which is personal fortune during the pandemic along with several other billionaires is conservatively estimated to have risen by £2.4 billion Uh, therefore I suppose making further investment in Chelsea a lot easier on his own pocket Duncan it's like you and I Going out on a night out, waking up the next morning, checking their trouser pockets, and finding a tenner. That's what's <laughs> happened with Roman. That's what's happened with Roman.
0: <laughs> this is the difference, isn't it? If you take financial fair play out of the equation, and it is coming out of the equation, we don't know the definite framework um, that UEFA are going to put in place. But but they've said they made accommodations for COVID, and the president Alexander Ceferin has said it will be changed. So if you if you are not restrained in the fashion you used to be over FFP, then Roman Abramovich, if he decides to put money in to buy the best young striker on the planet, it's easy for him to do. If Abu Dhabi decide we're going to throw a, a huge amount of cash at winning the Champions League, um, now that we've we, we've uh, beaten FFP, been found guilty of it, but had our ban removed, they can do it. I think Abu Dhabi are still playing a game of um, we are a self-sufficient club and we want to look like a self-sufficient club, so they want to try and, and make these transfers happen on a on a reasonable basis. Paris Saint Germain again can throw money, and it's no coincidence that Shan Luigi Donnarumma ends up there, um, meeting Mino Raiola's demands for a massive commission and, and a huge salary for the player. But um, I'm just wondering on those um, those pictures from the the yacht in, uh, off, the, off the shores of Greece, what, um, what pizzas were being provided by, uh, <laughs> by our favourite agent? I must admit, I, I couldn't see any pizzas, but I'm sure he's
1: busy in the kitchen as we speak, getting things, rustling them up for the boys and girls. It is the case that uh, there does look to be money spent in the window we're in right now. Manchester United appear to be a club on the verge of making their own marquee signing in Jaden Sancho. Uh, again, a story we've reported on again and again, brought you exclusive news as things move forward. At this moment in time, where it sits is there is a gap in the down payment, very much similar to the same negotiation this time last year, where uh, Dortmund are asking for uh, a certain amount and, and United are uh, around 13 million euros short of what Dortmund want as a down as as a guaranteed payment rather than as a payment plus add-ons, which of course we all know is a way to get deals done these days. More interestingly, or certainly more intriguingly, is there seems to be a public and a private bit of politicking going on at uh, Old Trafford. Joe Glazer attended a fans forum, issued a statement, apologised for the club's involvement in the ESL, and. Uh, Now has even spoken about his arch critic, Duncan uh, Gary Neville, who doesn't ever seem to appear uh, on any media platform without criticising the Glazers. And uh, Joe Glazer said that uh, Gary has very good ideas and and we are listening to them. Um, What we can tell you is that the Glazers have seen the anger of the fans enough to finally um, concede some ground to them. um, And they will uh, make that marquee signing in order to placate the anger as fans return to stadia in the new season. And also, behind the scenes, and I said, there's more politicking going on, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's not had full control over transfers in the two seasons he's been at the club, has mm-hmm. now been given a direct line, albeit via, one. I say direct, I mean one person reporting to him and that same person reporting to the Glazers about uh, recruitment. And Solskjaer is the one who's pushing for Sancho, even though, as Duncan said, he likes Haaland and would like to get Haaland, but they probably can get by with the amount of attacking midfielders. And then, as Duncan has reported, uh, gradually cultivating Mason Greenwood into a a central striker as well. So, Duncan... um, it seems to be the waiting game and it's, again, who blinks first with the fee or the structure of the fee on Jadon Sancho. But whatever way you look at it, Dortmund are going to be probably down their two best players when the Bundesliga kicks off in August.
0: Well, the deals still have to be done. Um, but yes, Dortmund, as you say, have a decision to make on Haaland. Do you take the money this summer or do you take a much reduced sum in, in a year's time? They know that's in front of them. Um, which gives Chelsea something to play with and, and Chelsea having personal terms agreed gives them a massive advantage um, from the perspective of uh, of getting the player to push for that move. Uh, the Sancho situation is very familiar with last summer. Manchester United are, are briefing that um, there is a gap but they expect to overcome that gap. Personal terms sorted with the player, um, agents terms sorted. Uh, plenty of time to to work that negotiation through Dortmund or briefing as they were last summer if you don't meet our asking price we won't sell Um, and there's a deadline on this we want the deal done before we go back for pre-season training Um, the difference I think is that they have that agreement with Sancho they made him wait last summer he didn't have a great first half of the season but performed very well in the second half of the season they can't hold on to him indefinitely uh, unless they could convince the player to sign a new long-term contract, which seems unlikely The the, the price will go down again next summer. So they, they have that hanging over their head. I think the one element that they would need to be careful with is that Manchester United have this flexible strategy. They are looking at other options. They are prepared to sign a centre forward and keep messing Greenwood on the right wing if they feel there's a better financial deal to be done, better sporting deal to be done um, by taking the centre forward rather than playing the increased asking price from Sancho. But I think you're you're right to highlight that the Glazers are in a mood where they want to uh, dampen down the protests against their ownership of the club. And they see bringing a big name... um, elite forward into the squad as a way of achieving that. Therefore, on their current thinking, they have to do one or the other. And that helps Solskjaer because he will get strengthened in attack again. Um, and while Solskjaer would like to have Haaland, it, his priority is to to improve the attack. And he, he has sanctioned go right wing or go centre forward um, because I can use Greenwood... On either side, depending on which players come in, you'll then ask for other areas of the team to be strengthened, and they've been doing preparatory work on that central midfielder, centre back, and uh, and a right back. and And my guidance on the right back is that that's probably the one where they they will be most economical on and look for a, a creative deal because the the right back is is meant as someone to challenge Aram Bisaka maybe to offer more of an attacking um, impact than one than basaka has done in his, his two seasons at Manchester United. Although I think you can see his development, he, he has become more effective in, in producing um, uh, attacking uh, input into the team. Um, Kieran Trippier is one individual they're looking at. Again, you have a player there who would be happy to come back to England, happy to share the position with Juan Bisaka and plays for a club Atletico who, as we, we said earlier in this podcast, need to raise cash in this market. So there's an opportunity to do something there. But my guidance is it will not necessarily be Trippier. Um they're they're looking at that position creatively because they see it as the probably the least important of the the positions they want to fill in this market.
1: We'll miss those banners being flown over old Trafford Duncan, won't we? Blazers out, etc. And if any of you saw the the uh, uh, the pictures of um, the Holland training camp, about you, know, one of those pilots who, of course, are regular listeners will know, I have great empathy with, uh, fear for their employment prospects. Flew one over the training camp, which says simply, hashtag Frank, as in Frank de Boer. It's four three three. So obviously people who people who pay for planes get to choose the formation of
0: the team these days never mind say Glazers out. Honestly I think it's going to take more than one um landmark signing to satisfy the majority of the protesters against the Glazers ownership and um look they can keep improving the squad and the chances of them winning a trophy go up every time they give Solskjaer a better squad to work with he has one of the best squads in European football at present, there are issues with it, but those issues are in areas, ironically, where he's already strengthened and paid um, record sums. Um, if they keep improving the squad, they've got a higher chance of, of winning a trophy, I think almost by default, because if you gather enough really good players together, then the, they're going to get enough results to, to win some kind of silverware. For example, they got close to the Europa League, and, um, by getting knocked out of the Champions League and and, uh, and having a lot of players who are motivated to perform. But they are handicapping themselves with their choice of manager. It's clear um, that, that, that having Solskjaer in there, they're never going to get the best from the squad of players. Um, if they fall a long way behind, uh, whoever's contesting the title next season, then those protests will come back regardless of, of how much money is spent this summer. And regardless of what Joe Gla- Glazer says in a fan forum, regardless of what um, proposals they come up with to sell shares, um, which will never give majority control to uh, a section of Manchester United supporters. I'd, I think they are so far down a path where the support understand what they're about, that Glazer saying, "I listen. We need to listen to everyone, and other people have have good ideas, and and we want to integrate them in into the way of running this club going forward." I, I, how many people actually believe that this is going to make a substantial change to the way the Glazers run a club? When, as you say, you're talking about Matt Judge being a a line of contact um, between. Consul
1: I'm told, was a. Phrase
0: used between Solskjaer and, and the Glazers. And the
1: Glazers, yeah. Can't why say, yeah. why
0: doesn't the manager have a consistent direct line to owners who have to sign off on these transfer deals? Um, why are these people so hard to access for the majority of people in football? They they don't get directly involved on most matters, they use their um their club employees. Um, to keep a insulating bar- barrier between themselves, other people in football, including um, for the most part their central employees as coaches, central employees as as players, um, they they're probably the least actively face-to-face involved owners um, of of top clubs in in uh, world football.
1: Well, oh, when. The Glazers managed to negotiate Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, retirement because they wanted more influence. Duncan, they did so. Uh, and by allowing Ferguson to choose a successor, we know what happened. David Moyes was effectively the subject of death by attrition with regards to recruitment because almost all the players he wanted other than Maro and Fellaini. Let's just forget about that, shall we? Uh, he um, He didn't get. And he was sacked eight months later. Now, maybe this is, a bit more subtle and clever from the Glazers by giving Solskjaer what he wants. If he doesn't win a trophy, then the the PR war, which Solskjaer, to be fair, has been winning hand over fist over the Glazers without actually uh, upsetting anyone, Um, then they can sack him with, I suppose, justification and say, well, we gave him everything he wanted and he still didn't succeed.
0: I don't think the Glazers are bothered uh, about success on the playing field as as a as a principal aim of their ownership. They want to be in the Champions League. They want the revenues to be flowing through. Joe Glazer talks about being a fan and and how um, not achieving success on on the pitch hurts him. Um you don't see a demonstration of that in the way they've behaved and the way um they operate their football club. The Solskjaer is has been convenient for him because of his immense popularity as a player and he, he has insulated them to a degree, um, from criticism and, uh, and that's allowed them to trundle on getting champions league qualification, not competing properly for the premier league. Um, not, you know, they're on the longest trophy drought, uh, that the club has experienced for, for over, um, three decades, uh, now, um, which is incredible given the resource available to Manchester United in terms of revenue coming into the club. Um, I don't see that they need a long-term strategy on, on Solskjaer other than um, we, we carry on with this as long as we can get away with it. We, we retain the cheap manager um, who does enough to get us into the Champions League. And, um, and the club on the sporting side gets very limited criticism of its performances because many um, prominent people in in football media um, refuse to criticise Solskjaer almost regardless of of what he achieves on the pitch.
1: Speaking of cheap managers, uh, Tottenham Hotspur have managed to get one uh, who's taken a pay cut from his last job to come and be their new head coach, Fonseca. And Fonseca, we'll come to him very shortly, Duncan, but I want to ask you this hypothetical question. You're a businessman. You're revered for your uh, deal doing, your ability to turn a profit, your ability to see the market ahead of other people and make decisions based on your instinct as well as on your substantial experience and knowledge of said market. Now, you have an asset who, at this moment in time, is still appreciating, but that will not go on for that much longer. Harry Kane is in his late 20s. He says he wants to leave. Uh, This would be his last, or it could be his last big, big contract. He currently doesn't earn anywhere near what some of his peers do in the Premier League, players who are not as prolific as he is. Yet... Levy, he's left the door slightly ajar, but he's not exactly opened it and says that Kane will not be sold. Now, quite frankly, I don't believe him. I, 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 I think Kane is heading out of Tottenham Hotspur because Levy can't afford not to sell him. And you were quite um, surprised, I know, Duncan, by uh, statements made by Levy in the last few days regarding Tottenham's finances, uh, their debt, etc., etc., all of which lead to one thing and that is we are absolutely skint and if we're going to do anything for Fonseca we're going to have to sell.
0: Yeah, he was asked about Kane he gave, gave an interview um, club recorded video interview kind of copying the Kaldun, Alma Baric, um, regular interviews from Manchester City, obviously scripted and he was asked about Kane in that and his answer was I'm never going to talk specifically about an individual player in public. All I would say his frustrations of us not winning is shared by me and I'm sure all the fans and players. Clearly, we all want to win. And then he, he said, having announced Fabio Paratici as their uh, new managing director of football, we wondered what the title would be in the last podcast if they've given him that one. Um, interesting for a, for a man who had four separate titles during his 11 years at Juventus, technical area coordinator, sports director, chief football officer managing director of the football area. I'm glad uh, Tottenham didn't decide to copy that one. But he he said, I think one of the items that Fabio will have to deal with when he comes in is which players are being retained, which players will be asked to look for other clubs. But obviously there's a market out there and what we want and what somebody else wants is not always possible to achieve. We will do whatever is right for the club. And I think you're right. He's leaving the door ajar there. It would be... Easy for him to say Harry Kane is not for sale. We hear what Harry Kane has said, but it is not in our club's interests to sell um, our best player. And with our new managing director football coming in, we're going to come up with um, clever strategies to build a team around him, which enables us to win silverware, finally. Um, Instead, he talks about how much revenue they'd lost, Um, saying that the the new stadium couldn't have been opened at a worse time, Um, talking about having the most expensive stadium in Europe, £1.2 billion, remember the the cost of building that, the highest level of debt of any club in Europe, Um, and (laughs) saying throwing out phrases like, we need to be prudent and uh, patience is a virtue. Um, So it's all around don't expect us to be aggressive in this market. He said that money would be invested, that money would be spent, but it's all a backdrop of we are in a difficult position in terms of liquidity, and therefore we're going to have to be very careful in this market and not jeopardise the future of what we built. Um, the appointment of Paulo Fonseca, I think, fits with this in a, in a number of ways. I mean, we know he wasn't first choice. He wasn't even close to being first choice. Um, go back to the last podcast, if so you want to hear about uh, individuals they went through, including Julian Lopetegui, um, who they got close um, to signing, but had to turn to Fonseca instead. As you say, Fonseca's salary is a fraction, a small fraction of that being asked by some of the candidates, a small fraction of what Jose Mourinho was paid as coach, he will be on €2.5 million euros net as a, as a base salary, which is around or slightly below the, the, the figure he had at Roma, um, where he was dismissed to be replaced by the manager that Daniel Levy dismissed in the week of uh, the League Cup final. Um, he will have Ryan Mason and Ledley King remain as his assistants. Um, Ledley King, actually, someone who was brought into the uh, the coaching staff at Tottenham at Daniel Levy's request um, when jo- Josie Mourinho came in, and Fonseca will be working without his his long term assistant Nuno Campos, who um, who'd been with him at various clubs for over a decade and and is very highly regarded in Portugal uh, as a as a coach. Um, my a guidance is that that split was amicable and that campus wants to to go out and coach on his own behalf, um, much in the same way as, for example, Rui Faria um, decided to leave Manchester United in, in 2018 um, after many years working alongside Jose Mourinho uh, to be a, a coach on, on his own behalf. And I think Tottenham will hope that with Fonseca, the departure of a long-term assistant doesn't have the same effect on silverware as it's had with, with Mourinho in the, in the sense that Mourinho has yet to win a trophy since Faria's left his side. Um, and uh, it will be interesting to see how, how Fonseca gets on in England and interesting to see with a radical change in his, in his uh, coaching team and two coaches that have been chosen by Tottenham to work alongside him.
1: So, Duncan, you um, revealed that Manchester City had made a bid for Harry Kane. Do you
0: think that's will still be his destination? Kane's preference is Manchester City. If he had a choice of clubs, as you reported, Manchester United have done a lot of work on on the Harry Kane deal, and uh, you know we should factor that in in, in terms of the, the the Sancho transaction. He's one of the alternatives they could go to. But what you see from from Levy there is is saying. We need to work this market carefully um, to get the the best solution for the club. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee that, that that Kane goes out. It will need to clearly have to be the right money um, for them to do that deal. Paratici, his role, I think, is also fascinating here because Levy in his uh, in his statements about Paratici's appointment um, in the you know the formal. Statement that the club made uh, about his appointment. They're, they're saying that he will be delegated a responsibility over sporting operations and and football infrastructure. Um, and off record, they're saying that all Levy will do is uh, is uh, sanction financial sides of deals. Um, he won't be driving these transfers anymore. Um, how? How he Paratici works his first major job outside Italian football. Uh, that statement, club statement that uh, that Tottenham made, was interesting in itself and its in its uh, its phrasing, um, emphasising the eleven years he'd had at Juventus and the the nineteen trophies they'd won during his time there and uh, and a quote a run of nine successive Scudettos. Um, with the Italian uh, highlighted in italics, but um, but not spelled Is properly. Is that a
1: fleet of nine feet? Scudettos. <laughs>
0: um, and Levy talking about Paratici, saying he'd known him for a number of years and that he has an outstanding track record in assembling competitive squads. Um, as we all know, Juventus has been a highly successful club and he's been a major part of that. He will be a great addition to the management structure. And... Will be heading up the football side of the club, so that they're they're emphasising Paratici um, over Fonseca at present. As, as we told you in the last pod, the deal for Fonseca has be done for the best part of a week now, but Tottenham wanted to hold it back until the they had formally announced Paratici coming in again, giving you a sense of of his importance and all of this. I think they're putting a lot of reliance on Paratici's skills in the transfer market to to get them out of this problem that Levy is talking about them being in. And if you talk to people in Italy about Paratici, they would be very sceptical that he is as good as Daniel Levy certainly is portraying him to be. Whether he thinks he's that good, you'd have to hope he thinks he's that good since he's given him the job. But uh, Allegri came back to Juventus on condition that Paratici was sacked Allegri was unhappy with working on Paratici's made the decision to move Allegri out of uh, the management role at Juventus. He was involved in a lot of the transfers, um, putting players on very substantial wages that have uh, put Juventus into a situation this summer where they've got to be very creative in the market and where they've had their worst season for over a decade. So there's a lot to be proven here and, a, and a, a lot of challenges for Tottenham to handle with this quite radical change of, of, uh, of management, both of the football team and, and the football structure at the club.
1: Well, we're still waiting on the white smoke coming out of Goodison Park to find evidence that new managers, several candidates have come and gone. Uh, some have turned it down, some have been decided they're not good enough. Uh, Duncan reported that Nuno Espirito Santo uh, had been verbally offered the job, was keen to take it. But, Duncan, you have more news with regards to the formalisation process of that particular offer. And it does seem a bit strange, given that money is not the object here. So why is it taking so
0: long? That's the question being asked by Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, Basically, where is the contract offer that Everton said? Uh, they had ready for him he talked to them in the immediate aftermath of of Carlo Ancelotti choosing to leave the club for Real Madrid was told he was first choice um waited for the contract to be presented to him it didn't come so he went and and had more extensive discussions with Crystal Palace who did offer him a contract was drawn up they expected him to sign it he had verbally agreed to sign it then gets more phone calls from Everton saying don't you are the man we want to be manager, money is not an object in terms of your wage demands. Uh, And yet here we are almost a week further on from that discussion and uh, the formal contract hasn't been presented to them. You have noises of Rafael Benitez um, being a uh, strong candidate for the job again my understanding is Bill Kenwright has been pushing Benitez after David Moyes signed a new contract at West Ham United don't think the Everton fans will be impressed by that move if it transpires um essentially you have a lot of internal dispute at, at Everton and a, and, a, and a lack of a coherent direction with Farhad Mashiri um Bill Kenwright pushing in an opposite path Marcel Brands getting involved, the ultimate owner, Alisher Usmanov, has Farhan Mashiri in place. Um, And you have Nuno who wants to become Everton manager, is ready to do it, but doesn't actually have the the contract offer um, from Everton in order to be able to commit himself. And and now wondering, is it actually going to come, despite Everton briefing that uh, he was first choice to the media? and that they were um, a long way down the road to completing that deal.
1: Well, Duncan, I'm sure you'll be sitting down for a virtual cup of tea with Nuno. And uh, of course, you'll bring us the news first, if that contract miraculously appears uh, that he can sign it um, before the podcast later this week. It's hero and villain time, and uh, I'm going to go first, Duncan, because it's a very easy one. My hero of the week is the Denmark team doctor, Martin Boson, who saved Christian Eriksson's life by his swift actions uh, when he went onto the field immediately to perform CPR on the uh, Danish midfielder after he'd suffered a heart attack. Um, and as I said, uh, we now understand Eriksson is well on the way to recovery, but mysteriously the tests have not shown any irregularity with his heart. And that's one of the things that a couple of... Um professional footballers said to me, he said, "With the amount of, two of them said, the amount of tests we get, cardios and everything else, which are done on a regular uh, basis, how you could have spotted something was wrong, you know, is beyond them. It seems to be a bit of a mystery, but what's not a mystery is Morton Borson is our Hero
0: of the Week. And well selected. Um, Villain of the Week, I am going to go for a figure from politics, Blair McDougall. He is the former director of the Better Together campaign, um, a misnomer if ever there was one, uh, which led the opposition to the independence vote in the 2014 Scottish referendum, coming up with um, classic statements such as, what is the process for removing our EU citizenship? Voting yes to independence, um, of course the process for removing the EU citizenship it turned out to be voting no to independence as it was stripped away against uh, Scotland's democratic will uh, a few years later. But Blair, um, bless his soul, on the day of England's openers opening Euro 2020 match against Croatia, um, went on Twitter um, to chastise Scots for um, Failing to support England and Wales in the European Championship, he said, I I feel sad for people who can't find it in themselves to avail themselves of the opportunity we have to support three home nations, especially when Southgate's leadership makes it so easy. Um, Quite remarkable that he expects uh, Scots to support their um, old enemies uh, in football or even more remarkable when they're in the same group as England in the European Championship and play them this week needing uh, a result to to have a proper chance of qualifying for the next round look
1: forward to Nigel Farage telling England fans they should be supporting Scotland before Friday night's match at Wembley This has been the news before it becomes news. And you know it because it is the news before it becomes news. Please, if you like, to give us a five-star review on iTunes. You can uh, engage with us on our social media platforms at Transfer Podcast, all the usual ones. You can find us on YouTube. You can find Duncan at Duncan Castles, me at Garbo SJ. Until our second podcast. Stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.